If you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out today. I want to talk to you for just a little while this morning on this topic. If you would just turn and take your neighbor by the hand, look them right in the eye. My wife always tells me this makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> How many of you are uncomfortable right now? Good, 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 good. Okay. All right. So look them in the eye. This is what I want you to say. Light my fire. I don't know what y'all, just everybody cooled, just chill out a minute. <laughs> you know, when it comes to surviving, there are things that you have to understand to be able to survive. We've read stories and seen news reports about people that got stranded in a wilderness and were, was lost for three or four days in the uh, Alaskan tundra or, or in the Rocky Mountains. And the key to survival is knowing what it takes to make it through. They get them, how many of you have ever gotten yourselves into a situation you could not get yourselves out of? Hold your hand up if you've ever, you know what I'm talking about, whether it was crawling. I, I crawled under my house and I managed to get between, you'd never believe it if you'd looked at the space I got underneath. I, I managed to wiggle myself down underneath there, but I could not get myself back out. And that was when Debbie's dad was living then. And I, I said, man, I need you to grab my hand and pull me up out of here. He said, what? He said, I said, pull me out of here. I said, I'm stuck. And he, he got, and hit, her dad was a big guy, man. I mean, you know, something was going to give. I, this guy had an engine fall out of the back of a pickup truck, and he walked out in the middle of the road and picked that engine of that car up and set it back in the truck. So I was either coming out or my arm was coming out of its socket, one or two things. And he, he straddled that floor joist and he grabbed hold of me and he started pulling and then he all of a sudden he started laughing. I said, what are you laughing about? He said, I feel like I'm skinning a rabbit. <laughs> I couldn't get myself out of there. And, and every year there are, there are people that I, I was listening to a documentary on this the other day and there are people every year that wind up being in life and death situations and there has to be a rescue team come in and oftentimes the key to their survival is whether or not they've learned skills to survive. As a matter of fact, television has become a big uh, market for survival shows. How many, you, you remember, was that, that, that big show, was that called Soul Survivor? Or, you know, where they put everybody in a situation to see if they could survive. And of course, who among us has not watched Bear Gillis? Grills. Oh, sorry. Shows you how much I watch. Have you ever seen him bite the head off of a snake and then eat the snake with that thing still flashing like that. And you say, my goodness, what's he doing? He's surviving. I've seen him take big grub worms and pop them in his mouth. I, they, they were doing a documentary on it and the television crew was saying, he had a little one and all of a sudden he spotted a great big one. He reached down and grabbed that, 
popped it in his mouth. And when he did, he bit down on that thing and, and it was on live. It was on television, man. It just, you know, out and he, and I'm thinking, man, a life survival. In a desert, he crawled inside of a dead animal's carcass to keep from getting heat stroke survival. It's amazing what we'll do to survive. Anybody seen any of those shows? You say, well, pastor, I'd never put myself in a position like that. I, you're not going to catch me wandering around in the Alaska tundra. You're not going to see me on, you know, in the Rocky Mountains roaming around out there. I'm not, I'm not going to put myself in that position. But the truth is, is you already have. Do we really believe that the only wildernesses out there are the Rocky Mountains or Alaska? What about the wilderness of depression and despair? What about the wilderness of loneliness and confusion? What about that barren land of anger and bitterness or anxiety and fear? We've all found ourselves there, haven't we? And here's the truth, is that they pose more of a threat to us than the others do. Look, I could get lost in the outback and maybe get snake bit and still survive. I might get lost in the Rockies and be there for days and somebody find me. But if I get lost in despair, if I get lost in anger and bitterness, if I get lost in fear, even if you find me, I'm still lost. This wilderness does more than threaten your life. It threatens your soul. It can take you out and destroy you. I've known people who, when they were in a room that was filled, still felt all alone. I've known people in my life that would wait until the wee hours of the morning to go to the grocery store for the fear and the anxiety they had among crowds and they couldn't navigate it. I've watched folks spend their life just wasting away because they're angry about something that happened 20 years ago and that bitterness has seized them and it's got them trapped and they are about to perish. One of the most important means of surviving if you're lost and exposed to the elements is fire. Everybody say it with me, fire. Bear, all, 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 all the survivors, the, the people that, that forest park rangers, they are all schooled in being able to build a fire when it seems like there's nothing there to build with. Because that fire represents their survival. That fire sends a signal up to let others know where they're at. That fire keeps them warm from the elements. It gives them the means to protect themselves. It scares off 
bears and, 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 and wild animals, fire is essential for survival. So the question is, how do I acquire the fire? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I need to acquire the fire. Let's take a look at some famous survivors in the Bible and see how they discovered fire. Moses finds himself, he, he feels like he's a failure. He's messed up. He's supposed to be the deliverer for Egypt, but because he tries to do it on his own, he tries to take it in his own hands. Instead of being a deliverer, he becomes a fugitive. He runs. He finds himself on the backside of a desert. And he's there in that wilderness for 40 years. He's given up hope. He feels like, I failed. Nothing will ever get right again. And when it seems like that nothing's going to change... He has an encounter with fire. His first encounter with that is a burning bush. Everybody say, God, light my fire. And so he sees a burning bush and he starts to just approach it like you would any old fire. But how many of you know that the fire that comes from God's different than the fire that comes from the world? There are some fires that will roar through and destroy things, but there are other fires that preserve and keep warm. And what God was doing was he was rescuing Noah. I mean, he was rescuing Moses in the middle of his mess. He started to just approach it, and God told him, get your shoes off. You're getting ready to step on holy ground. Let me say it to you this way. Tread lightly. When you're in the presence of God and recognize who he is, don't just approach him any old way, but go in knowing that he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you'll listen, he'll lead you out of that despair you're in. Amen. He'll get you out of the mess you're in and take you to a better place of promise. Well, Moses was going to find out he needed that fire more than once in his life. Matter of fact, when he ends up leaving Egypt and he doesn't know, how many of you have ever just needed some direction? Anybody? I know no, no guys want to admit it. No, I know exactly where I'm at. I know exactly where I'm at. I'm lost. I'm not going to let anybody know that, but that, you understand what I'm saying? Isn't it amazing how we, we just, no matter where we're at, we won't confess that we don't know the way? But the truth is, is that I found out you save a lot of time, frustration, and gas Amen. if you'll just ask for help. Amen. And so Moses is getting ready to come out, and he needs God's help, and it's time he needs more than a bush, so God sends him a pillar of fire and begins to lead the way for him. But let me ask you a question. What do you do when you got a million and a half people breathing down your neck, blaming you for where they're at, and just trying to cause all kinds of ruckus in the camp? Turn and look at your neighbor and say this with me. I need a bigger fire. <laughs> so God sent him one. As a matter of fact, God got tired of them always questioning Moses. 
God got tired of them always giving Moses trouble. So all of a sudden, what God does is he says, you know what? I, I'm going to take care of this situation. You bring those people before this mountain. And this is in Exodus chapter 19, verse 16. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn. Now, I want you to understand, nobody's blowing this horn in the camp. This horn is coming from heaven. How many of you know that God can speak when no one else can? That God's able to communicate when nobody else is able to communicate? You ever been in a situation where you needed to hear from God and then you heard from God, but you heard from him in a way you weren't expecting? Kathy was talking about right before she sang, it might be in reading a word, it might be a word you hear, but God will communicate to you. Man, he got everybody's attention. There's a loud, long blast on this ram's horn and all the people started to tremble. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in the form of a fire. The smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln and the whole mountain shook violently. You know what those people did when that happened? They went up to Moses and they said, Moses, you go on up and talk to God. And then when you come back off of that mountain, we'll do whatever God tells you we're supposed to do. But I'm not going up on that mountain. <laughs> How many of you have ever met people that were afraid of the fire? <laughs> well, Looks like I got some fire shakers in here. People that are afraid. We want God, but we want God in our form. We want God in our box. We don't want the fire we, because you can't control fire. But fire can save you. Fire can rescue you. Fire can do for you what you can't do for yourself. And so he lit that mountain on fire. Elisha finds him square, himself squaring off on top of a mountain. It's Mount Carmel. He's got 450 prophets of Baal. Everybody say false prophets to a false god. How many of you know people right now that are in, we, we don't call them false gods now. We, we call it other things, but it's worship all the same. You ever see a rock concert? And the way people respond. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, my goodness, man, that's like a form of worship. But the guy on the stage or the group on top, they, they can't rescue you. They can't save you. 450 prophets that have been pushing bail on Israel. And Elijah showed up and he looked at everybody and he said, look, man, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Either Baal is God or the Lord is God. So you need to make up your mind which one you're going to serve. And he looks at them. How many of you understand that there's no middle ground with God? You're either all the way in or you're out. I heard somebody saying one time, they said, you know, when it's a story about Southern Baptist and Pentecostal and 
they were talking to each other and the Southern Baptist looked at the Pentecostal and said, when we get to heaven, I'm going to go on you all side for the singing because I like the way you all sing. <laughs> Pentecostal looked at him and said, brother, there ain't going to be but two sides, an inside and an outside. Do you understand? It doesn't matter what you call yourself. It doesn't matter whether you say I'm Methodist or I'm Pentecostal or, or I'm Baptist or I'm Lutheran or I'm Catholic. God doesn't care what you tag over your door. He's concerned about what's in your heart. He wants to build a fire there. He wants to rescue you. He wants you to be able to walk in power and walk victorious. And so Elijah looks at him. He said, look, let's, let's make a deal here. Let them get a, bull, get a bull and I'll get a bull and they'll build an altar, I'll build an altar. We'll cut it up and the God that answers by fire, let him be Lord of all. And all the people said, okay, that sounds great. So they started their chant. They cut up their bull. They started jumping up and down and hollering for Baal. This went on from morning until lunchtime, jumping up and down. You're talking about probably three or four hours. And you think worship lasts too long. <laughs> Three or four hours. Wow! After that, Elijah got in on it. He looked at him and said, maybe you ought to yell a little bit louder. Maybe your God's asleep. Now, this is true. If you don't believe me, go search the scripture. He says, maybe he's relieving himself. <laughs> or maybe he's off on a far trip someplace. He said, you, you need to... And so he starts picking at them. They had been mocking God for years. They had taken and put people to death. But finally, Elijah found something in him that was willing to cause him to stand out and believe God could send fire. Believe that there's a fire that can consume And when he stepped up and finally, they they did this till like six o'clock at night. And finally, Elijah stepped up and he said, God, he said, hear me and let these people know that I've done this at your command and bring their hearts back to you. God, send the fire. Man, all of a sudden, a bolt of lightning, a fire so intense hit that altar. Do you understand? He had them, he wanted them to know that nothing can stop God. He had them pour 12 gallons of water over that sacrifice. It soaked the wood. He had 12 stones that he lined up around it to represent the tribes of Israel. And when that fire hit, it didn't just consume the sacrifice. It consumed the wood he put it on. It consumed all the water, and it consumed the stones that had been laid out there. How many of you know that whatever you're going through isn't too big for God to handle? He's able if you'll just trust him and if you'll say, here I am, God. He knows how to rescue. He knows how to come in when we need him most. And you can be standing there saying, Pastor, all those things happened in the Old Testament. And, and, and that was just an outward demonstration. But what about the wilderness inside of me? How does that help my despair and depression? 
What am I supposed to do with my anger and bitterness and strife? I don't see any burning bushes or any mountaintops on fire. And neither did Jeremiah. Jeremiah had been sent to a people and the word that he was bringing them, they didn't want to hear. He'd been through so much already, thrown into a pit. He'd been laughed at and ridiculed. And it got to the point, now hear this, because sometimes we get so uppity that we forget that people wrestle with their circumstances. Jeremiah wrestled with his. Have you ever had a time in your life where you said, God, where are you? You ever have a situation that you were going through that caused you to look up and wonder, God, are you there? Do you see what I'm going through? But God is faithful not to forget your labor of love. He doesn't leave you. Jeremiah found himself there. In the 20th chapter, Jeremiah begins to talk to the Lord. He says, oh, Lord, you deceived me when you promised me your help. I have to give them your message because you're stronger than I am. But now I'm the laughing stock of the city, mocked by all. Verse 9, he says, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I've heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten if you say anything, we'll report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He'll trap himself, they say, and then we'll get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. What are you saying? God, light my fire. Do you understand? There was no mountain. There was no bush. There was no pillar where Jeremiah experienced the fire was down in his heart. He said, it's like a fire that shut up in my bones. If it wasn't real, I wouldn't be here. If I couldn't feel it, I couldn't. How can I know it's there? There's a reality to God. To think that God can't touch us, that he can't speak to us, that he can't make himself known to us. You're talking about the God that spoke the world into existence. That said, let there be light. And there was light that put the stars out there and hung them on nothing. That's the God that can create a fire in you that no devil is able to put out. You say, but would he do that for me? Would he, would he build a fire in me? John said he would. <laughs> Matter of fact, when they came to John and they started asking him, are you the one? He said, no, I'm not the one. I, I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. But let me tell you something about the one that's coming. He said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with Fire. Everybody say fire. 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 
fire. You yell that in a, in a movie house and you get arrested. Fire. You yell it in a church house and everybody runs out. Fire. Say it with me, fire. Now watch this because people miss, that, miss this up. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He breathed on the disciples and said, receive you the Holy Ghost. But there was fire coming that they hadn't experienced yet. How many of you want some fire in your life? I've been Debbie's class that she's been doing. I've been getting reports from it. People that haven't talked to others about God all of a sudden finding fire shut up in their bones. Well, what's Debbie been doing? She's just been fanning what's in you. She's been trying to get you to understand that you serve a powerful God. There's no need for you to take a step back. It's time to take a step up. You don't need to run and hide. You need to say, here I am, God. Fill me with your fire. You cannot let your circumstances dictate to your life. You have to trust in his word. Everybody say, trust him. I know that you've walked through things that you felt like were, were, were so huge and that it just almost destroyed you and made you stop believing. But can I remind you of a couple of guys that had watched him die? They saw him hang on a cross, the miracle worker, the man from Galilee, the guy that could walk on water, Amen. the man that had shut the mouths of demons, the man that had been able to conquer death itself. They watched him die and they're walking down a road and without them realizing who he is, Jesus joins them and he looks at him, he said, what? What are y'all talking about? Y'all look so down. Guy looks at him, he said, man, are you the only one that lives around here that doesn't know what's happened the last few days? What do you mean? It was Jesus of Nazareth. The Pharisees, they took him and they crucified him. And we had hoped that he had been the one that was promised to Israel. We had hoped that this was the Messiah. We had hoped, but all their hopes were shattered. But Jesus starts right there and he looks at them and he begins to expound the word, not their circumstance, not their situation. He doesn't speak to them about what they've gone through. He speaks to them about what will get you through. He begins to declare the word of God. Quit allowing your circumstance to speak to you and let the word speak to your circumstance. He starts to declare to them and, they, and, and he begins to show them through the word that it was necessary, that the word had already said that the Messiah would die, but then he would rise and, and they listened to him. Something begins to change inside of them. Depression starts to leave. Fear starts to vanish. They get to their journey. They're almost at Emmaus. And Jesus said, well, I'm going to go on. And I said, no, 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 no. Stay, stay with us. They still don't know who he is. Stay with us here. Because your words, man, they, they've done something to me. Your words have done something for me. 
about it. Does it do it for you today? His word still does something to me. God help me when I can sit and read scripture and it doesn't move me. When I can pick this book up and begin to read the truth of it and not be able to see who it points to. This is more than my necessary bread. His word. And so he sat with them and he broke the bread and he gave it to them. There's something about God breaking you that opens your eyes. There's something about God just coming into your situation and breaking it that opens your eyes. And when he broke bread, they saw him and then he vanished and they looked at one another and all of a sudden something began to happen. And they looked at him and he said, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us about the word? I'm telling you, he's alive. He's still able. He's still real. The fire still falls and he wants us to have it. We sung that song in the 70s. I think it was the 70s. I didn't even know what the group was that came out with that song until I started Googling it. Everybody say the doors. I thought that ironic. Jesus said, I am the door. (laughs) The doors. I wonder if they even knew what they were doing when they named their group. And then they came out with the song, Light My Fire. I got news for you. There was another door that already showed up and lit my fire. (laughs) His name is Jesus. And he's more than able. So how many of you today want that stirred up in you? How many of you want God to light that fire? Then then this is what you got to do. You got to put away your fear. When God lights your fire, it drives away the shadow of disbelief. If you want him to light your fire, then you have to do your part once it's lit. How many of you have ever felt the fire of God? Just wave your hand if you ever felt. It may have been chill bumps up your back. It may, it may, have, been, it, it may have been all of a Man, I, I felt the fire of God one time and didn't even know who I was for a day. I'm telling you, it's real. But if you want it, you have to do your part And your part is to, thank you, somebody say fan it. Once he lights it, you got to fan it. Think about it. He breathed on them. You ever been trying to build a fire outside? You get an ember going, what do you do? I've watched Bear do this a lot of times. Blowing on it to get it to ignite, to give it the oxygen it needs. Do you understand? He is the oxygen I need. So Paul says it this way. Paul says, you stir up the gift that's in you. Stir it up. Don't let it die. Don't let that fire go out. Stir it up. You ever hear people make this statement, boy, if you want to get so-and-so fired up, All you got to do is start talking politics. You want to get them fired up, say something about their mama. 
Why could we get fired up over things that bring adverse feelings instead of feelings of life? I don't care who you are. If you start talking about politics, you're going to get in an argument sooner or later. Well, who did you vote for? Jesus. He's my candidate. I just, I, I just follow him. He said, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So I follow after him and I try and do what I think he would do. Well, what about when it comes to your mama? Well, I love my mama, but mama can't save me. Mama can't rescue me. Amen. Only Jesus can do that. And sooner or later, mama's gone. I lost my mama. I don't have her to run to and talk to. But he promised me I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's always there anytime I've ever needed him. Say it with me one more time. Light my fire. Would you stand with me? What are you going to do, Pastor? I'm going to light a fire. See, there's something you've got to understand. The fire that he lights cannot be blown out. The fire that he lights, winds of adversity have no power to extinguish the flame. The question isn't about the match. The question is about what the match touches. His fire is a pure fire. It's a strong fire. But how we receive it, some fires hit things and all they do is leave destruction. But the Bible said that God is a what? Is a consuming fire he doesn't destroy me he consumes me Amen. how many of you have ever had blue bunny ice cream hold your hand up if you had blue bunny shout out your favorite flavor on three one two three well since y'all don't know what you need let me just tell you black walnut see we've all got our flavors right We've all got, the Bible said that we've received this gift in earthen vessels. I want you to think about this. So the gift always picks up a little bit of your flavor. When you drink water out of a tin can, it tastes different than when you drink it out of a plastic bottle. Why does that happen? He said, because God's going to get the glory. This isn't about us, this is all about Him. And when we allow him to come into our life, when we allow him to touch us, think about it. Anybody ever been through a storm before? Watch this. Nothing wrong with a match. And it leaves no residue. The only thing left is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. 
That's what I want people to see when they see me. I want them to see Jesus and I'm having a hard time seeing you right now. Flash. <laughs> that consuming fire. What do you say? We open our heart and let him in. How many of you are ready to do that right now? To say, here I am, God. Consume me. I don't want to just go through life. I don't want to just go to church. I want his spirit to consume me. I want there to be a fire in me. I'm going to pray for you. I had a guy. Matter of fact, just if, if you're ready for that fire to start in you, would you just come to the front right now very quickly? Just move to the front. Just go ahead and step out. You want it to start in you. I'm not going to grab you. Just come on, come on down. You want it to start in you. You, I don't care if it's just you stepping two feet out in the aisle. Just do something to signify to God, I want that fire to burn in me like it's never burned before. Would you do it? Just wave your hand if you want that fire to burn in you. Just hold that hand up a minute. Let God see it and saying, I, I want you to become so real in me. I want you to consume me. I want you to hear me. I've met guys, I was doing ministry in a prison. I was talking to this guy, and man, he was fired up about God. And I was, I, I was talking to him and after it was over, one of the guys came over and he said, do you know him? I said, no, man, I just met him. I said, but boy, he's got, he's, he's got that fire, boy. He's, he's fired up about God. They looked at me and he said, he's serving a life sentence for murder. You know what that did to me? It made it become crystal clear that it doesn't matter where you've been. Once God touches your life, it changes everything. How many of you ready for everything to change? Are you ready for it? And raise your hands to heaven with me right now. This is what you need to understand. If a fire starts in you, thank you. It's going to spread to those that are around you. That's why when I got saved, people looked at me and they said, man, you're crazy. I said, you're right. I'm crazy about God. I can't help it. Amen. I'd rather get to heaven and have God look at me and say, you know, you got a little too excited to have him look at me and say, after everything I've done for you, how could you just act like it was no big deal? How could you walk through life and not tell people what, who I was and what I did? There's some of you standing in here today and the reason you're here is because God came in and rescued you from the jaws of death. Amen. When Satan was trying to take you out, God said, not today. Amen. Some of you are in here where you ought to be in a, 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 a state of destitution. But God came in and said, not today. He owns the cattle 
on a thousand hills. And Michael tell you, when he needs to, he knows how to sell one of them. Amen. Get your neighbor by the hand. Say, I, I feel something. What's that song said? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Look at him and, and, and say it with me, I, I feel something. Is that you? Is it? What is that? What is that I feel? Have you ever come up? <laughs> I want you to get this. And I, I know I'm hanging out here for a second, but I really want you to get this. I've watched drug addicts that I was praying for. When I took them by the hand, they jumped back from me and they looked at me and they said, what is that? It's not you. It's him. I've seen people look at my wife and say, what, what is it she's got? What is it that they are able to feel the fire? They're able to know that the God inside of you is greater than what's in the world. Stretch those hands to heaven because we're getting ready to have revival. God's going to pour it out in you. You're going to take it everywhere you go and you're going to set the atmosphere on fire. Let's pray together right now. Come on. Father, we thank you for it. Sing it, honey. God, we thank you, Lord, for igniting a fire in our hearts. I know breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and it won't stop. Let's go. Fire. Let's go.